Hello and welcome to Tarot Bites. I'm Teresa Reed, the Tarot Lady. I'm the author of Tarot, No Questions Asked, Mastering the Art of Intuitive Reading. I'm also your host for this podcast series. This is episode 199 of Tarot Bites, the podcast where I dish out short, entertaining, bite-sized lessons on how to read tarot. And for today's episode, our topic is reading tarot in layers. And my special guest is Jenna Matlin. Welcome, Jenna. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to have you back again on the podcast. Um, You know, a while back, you had mentioned something that caught my eye about you reading tarot in layers. I'm like, okay, now what the heck does this mean? And I would love it if you would give me some information on what this means. What what do you tell my audience if they want to know? How do you read tarot in layers? What's that? So when I read tarot, I rarely read it in a way that is one card, one positional meaning, one card plus one card slash positional meaning equals narrative. Um, That feels very linear. But what I do is I, I pass over the reading almost like a layer cake back and forth, creating layers of meaning as I go that kind of really eke out a lot of information. So Maybe one of the best um, analogies I can put with it is, if you remember those Where Waldo, remember Where Waldo, Where's Waldo, yes. like back in the day? And like at some point when you're looking at it straight on, you can't find Waldo. You've got to pivot the picture. You've got to turn it around and look at it from lots of different directions because then that shifts what's getting stuck in terms of your cognition, like your, you know what I mean? Where you're like, you just keep looking at it in the same way. So you have to turn the picture so that it looks somewhere different. So when I do a reading with somebody, it's, it's, you know, you have the traditional meaning, the trad meaning, and you have the, the positional meaning. And that's only one aspect of a reading. I tackle a reading from a lot of different, a lot of different techniques until I've really have a layer cake, a big, big, tall kind of piece of information to help somebody else. So do you think if somebody is going through a reading, and I I do this sometimes, where like, let's say I'm doing a past, present, future spread, that I'll just go, well, this is the past, this is what it means, this is the present, and this is what's going on now, and it looks like the future, well, this is what the future could mean. Now, how can I do something, like, how could I apply a layering technique to something, like a very simple spread like that? Well, first off, I don't do those those past, present, future spreads. I have a real dislike of them because often they create more confusion than help. So first we have to look at the question. What do I want to actually know? So for example, if I want to know if I'm going to find my boyfriend next month, why the hell would I want to know about my past? I already know my past. That's not relevant to the question. And I already know my present. That's also relevant to the question. So why don't we take those three cards instead and just make them all future? Mm. Right? So, you know, what, where's, you know, what will I tell me about, like, am I going to get a boyfriend next month? Right? So let's, let's throw some cards. Um, I just pulled three cards. I have nine of wands. I have the hanged man. And then I have six of pentacles. And what I do is first I look at them. So they're all upright. And I'm looking at the movement of the characters. That's the first part. Well, actually, no. The very, very first part is whether I'm going to get, if I'm getting an intuitive hit. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I get intuitive hits that the cards spark, but in really nonlinear ways. For example, I had a client sit down 
and was like, what should I, what should I be busy with doing during the pandemic? And I can't remember the cards, what they were, but all of a sudden I knew tennis was the answer to that. And so somehow unconsciously the images reminded me of tennis in some way. I mentioned it and he goes, funny, you should say that, which is what they always say when you've hit it. So first I do that and allow the time to see if anything comes up. And so the technique around that is to not panic. I think, especially for newer readers, when they are focused on, oh my God, oh my God, what does this mean? What does this mean? And they're freaking out and trying to make it a logic puzzle. They may miss that natural information that will just come on its own. Mm -hmm. So the first step I would say is just see what you see, what's going on there. Um, Then another way that I look at it visually is I I call it visual compulsion. And I have another story for that. So um, I had a young woman, I was working for a large uh, corporate kind of launch and I was doing readings and I had a woman sit down and she wanted to know about her her boyfriend. It was very, very cryptic question. So I pull out a series of cards and the deck that I was using that day was Robert Place's Alchemical Tarot, Mm -hmm. which I love. Um, And I was looking at eight of, uh, sorry, what is it? Eight of, oh my goodness, eight of swords. (laughs) Sorry. Um, But in that, in the picture of, of Robert Place's deck, it is a, it is an animal and the animal's manacled to the ground, right? Technically, the traditional meaning of it is self-imprisonment. But my eye kept looking at the manacle. Like my eye just felt compelled to look at that one piece of the symbology in the picture. And I knew that it was important. So part of it is noticing where your eye goes because your eye is leading you to more information. So then I looked at it and I was like, what are you telling me? What are you telling me? And then all of a sudden it popped in my head. Her boyfriend's in prison. So then I asked her, trying to be really diplomatic, so what's your boyfriend's situation? (laughs) Uh And she said, oh, yeah, he's incarcerated. Okay, boom, there we go. So we want to look at what aspects within the symbology of of each card is we are being drawn to. And if we are being drawn to that, asking ourselves this question, why are we being drawn to this particular piece within the imagery? Um. So coming back to the few cards I just pulled for my boyfriend next month, Nine of Wands, The Hanged Man, and Six of Pentacles. And the deck I'm using is the Guided Hand, if that's helpful for anybody. I'm looking at the hangman and seeing where the hangman is looking. So the hangman is looking towards, in this deck, Six of Pentacles, which shows a woman handing money. So when I see that, I feel like very strongly it's giving me already some information, which is you're stuck because you're not putting yourself out there enough. You're not being generous. So that's one piece of the much larger information that that the three cards are telling us. Um, The other thing I do besides like that immediate insight and movement, which is what what character is looking towards whom and who's walking away from whom. And with reversals, I don't necessarily futz too much with the like, oh, well, this is a reversal. So it means the opposite of the upright. I don't play with it that way. I look at it as this is a reversal and that's indicating movement to me in some way. Um, Not unlike people that do Lenormand. That's a very, Mm -hmm. that's a similar technique to the Lenormand. Um, I also look at the volume. So, and what I mean by volume is that the tarot has many, many different ways of saying yes, many different ways of saying no. And it's 
to me, what's more important is how the tarot is saying yes and how the tarot is saying no. So sometimes when someone is asking about, for example, whether he comes back or not, the reading will be a very gentle, you know, six of swords and eight of cups situation, which is like, you know, girl, you're going to be okay. You got to walk away from the situation. It's going to be fine. And then sometimes it's like death tower, 10 of swords. Why are these two people with these two questions being given a different, like different kind of answer? Usually the volume of the reading indicates a relationship to the resistance the querent has for the answer. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. If somebody is like, really like, nope, Bob is coming back. I know he's coming back. He's going to leave his ex-wife and come back to me. And then the reading's like, obviously, you're not going to hear this at level four volume. You need this at level 10 volume because you were so absolutely resistant to the message. So I look at that as how is it being communicated? So what you're looking at then is, um, first of all, your intuition, and then you're looking at how the cards are interacting with each other, how they're moving. I like that, how they're moving. But also you're paying attention then to how the client, how they're showing up and maybe, you know, what energy they're bringing into the reading. Yeah, that's true. Um, Absolutely. Like, and also whether the reading is really answering the question or not. And if the reading is not answering the question, why? Why isn't it answering it? Mm-hmm. And it's because there's something else that whatever we want to deem as that ineffable mystery that is tarot feels like that querent needs to hear before the thing that they want to know. So okay. for me, I'm always like, why is the reading telling us this story in this way? Why does the querent need to hear this narrative? And for me, that's when more insights will unlock. So what happens then when somebody wants to ask the same question again and again? I mean, how many layers can you stack on this cake in order to give a person an answer? I think the answer is, is this helpful? Is this continuing to be helpful? Or are we devolving into um, something that's attempting to feed an anxiety or fear, but is keeping you kind of stuck in a, in a cycle without freeing you? Is the information helpful? Or are we using it as a mechanism for dealing with our anxiety? That's when I really stop, stop the reading. The other thing I see too, is I often look at what's missing. Yes. So, you know, right. So like in the reading, I just pulled nine of wands, the hangman and six of pentacles. There's no guy in this reading. <laughs> you know, there's no night. No, nobody's showing up. No cups either. Which no cups. Relationships. Yep. Yeah. So I'm like this to me, even though it isn't directly talking in terms of saying, no, uh, your boyfriend isn't showing up magically next month. It, it, but it is saying no because of what it's not saying. Because I believe that a reading is a message and how that message decides to be formulated is the most important aspect, regardless of how necessarily we want that information to come through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So with a three, three card reading, that's what I do is I look at all of these aspects and I play with them and I, and I kind of tease apart all the different things that I'm seeing in a reading. Mm-hmm. And none of it has to do with positional meaning. And sometimes I will read a card in a non-traditional way, really kind of being guided by my intuitive sense of like, I really feel it right now. The Ten of Swords is talking about back surgery, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and not not terrible things. So that's kind of what I do. And sometimes, oh my God, this is so heretical, 
that if I don't like the three cards, I'll just shuffle, I'll move them. I know, yeah. right? <gasps> that is, oh my God, you are a rebel. So what, what happens if you do that? Uh, I mean, does that change the energy or does it just give you different additional information? It just gives me additional information. I, I don't, in my experience, I haven't seen that using these techniques then like radically alter the, the like kind of endemic message that the mm -hmm. reading is conveying. So, yeah, but mostly I'm looking at the volume and, and my immediate insights. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I do it. So if somebody is a complete beginner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, oftentimes when people are complete beginners, what they do is they want to rely on those traditional meanings. They want to have a structure. They want to have, you know, a foundation. And something like this might seem, I mean, I think it's very intuitive, but they may feel afraid to go with a route like this. What would you advise somebody who's completely new? How can they approach tarot in this way if they are, you know, again, really wanting, I want the right meaning and the right uh, tarot spread. What do you say about that? Well, the first thing I would say is in order to become a strong intuitive or a strong, let's just say it for what it is, psychic. I'm reclaiming that word. Uh, if we're talking about wanting to build our psychic capacity, we can't logic our way to more psychic capacity. So if you are unable to stop the kind of logic brain from always popping off, this is going to be a tough technique. Mm -hmm. So part of this is you can't use more thinking to get to a non-thinking state of cognition. It's just not how it works. But what I, we can do, and this is what I tell my students is, I tell students to throw the one card a day out the fucking window. Ooh, can I, am I, sorry, is that troublesome? No, that's that's okay. We just mark it as explicit. <laughs> ah, sorry. I get so fired up about this topic. Um, just throw that one card out the tape, out the window, because I find that it often causes more confusion than help. So what I do is I tell students, don't do a card of the day at the beginning of the day. Number one, you don't have context. Or, or, to understand what it's talking about. And you're trying to use one card to somehow explain the whole totality of a whole day. That's a huge task. And you're going to feel really frustrated. So why not do a reading at the end of the day asking, how was my day? Then you already have the context there to help guide you. And then you're always going to pull three cards. Mm -hmm. So immediately, we are getting people to start seeing how the cards talk to one another. It's like, to me, learning a new language that when we learn Spanish, we don't just use learn one word a day. We're instantly learning how to construct sentences from our first day in class, even yes. however, sim however simple. And those sentences have to do with very simple everyday things. So I look at readings in the beginning in the very same way. So once we start getting comfortable at looking at the combinations and seeing how they speak, a lot of this stuff is going to happen very naturally for people. So part of this is don't be afraid of this. Don't force it. Don't think you're away. But when it happens, grab it. Mm -hmm. When it happens, take note of that. That's what we're looking for. I love the idea for beginners of looking at the end of the day. And reading instead of starting at the beginning of the day. I never thought about that because it does give them then an opportunity to see it in action and how it panned out. Mm 
that's very smart. And that's a way, again, you can develop the language. So it makes total sense. It's a really great teaching technique. I love that. Thanks. Another thing I do with my my students is I, I reverse engineer readings. So I'll tell people, okay, you know, Jane and Jim, um, Jane is going to break up with Jim. How's that going to go? But why don't you write me the answer first? Put mm-hmm. your cards upside, right side up and pull out the cards that are going to give her the answer. But do it from a place of either. And then I give like a list of things like from a place of like, you girl, girl, you're going to be fine. It's going to, you're going to, it's going to be okay. Or you need to hear this. This is getting mm-hmm. toxic. Um, and I think that helps people get really comfortable with that voice of tarot and -hmm. really listening to the emotional uh con like content of a reading and Mm -hmm. as well as the volume of the reading yeah and both content and volume are important so i've got one more question for you then so you said forget the one card spread do you think that a big spread like the celtic cross is great or is that too much information i mean are those too many layers um, I think that the Celtic cross again is that kind of like that one card, one position. And I think people can often get lost in it. I mean, I love the Celtic cross. I use it all the time, but I use it in a very non-traditional way. And I break the Celtic cross up into smaller readings. I feel that people try to jump to the gold standard of Celtic cross too fast, thinking that that's going to, that's the penultimate tarot reading. When I think you could be a really amazing reader just doing three card spreads. So when someone goes, I want to know how my work is. Okay, that's a really big question. Why don't we tease out five smaller questions in that and then do three card spreads on each of those? I think that's really going to hammer very much more quickly for the other person, like the information that they're actually looking for. Yeah. Um, And the one more thing I want to say about this (laughs) is um, the answer of the reading, like, always ties to the question in some way. And if you find yourself really veering off from that, when someone's like, is John going to come back? But then we're talking about, like, too much of their psychology or too much of, like, the energies around them. We have to make sure that the answer ties to the question and mm-hmm. that we have to trust that tarot is also answering the question in some way. I love that. This is really interesting, and I, I think your uh, suggestions are going to give people a different way of approaching the cards instead of, this is the traditional meaning and this is the position. So this really adds a lot of depth to the readings, and both the reader and the querent We'll get a lot more out of the reading by following this technique. So thank you for sharing it. Oh, gosh. No, thank you for having me on. I do want to say one more thing, and that is I'm in no way throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Like, I also include traditional meanings. Like, of course. I'm definitely both. But I think we can – why get rid of any tool in this toolbox? Like, why can't we be in camp? All of this can potentially work. Have fun. See what works for you. Well, we never want to get too stuck in one way. You know, and it's very easy to do, especially I think when you're beginning, that it becomes very flat and adding the layers in really does allow it to become, again, richer, a richer experience for the person who's reading the cards and the one who's getting the reading. So I love that. So Jenna, if people want to work with you, where can they find you? Oh, it's very easy. They can find me at my name, jennamatlin.com. I have two books on Amazon um, for... uh, tarot business um, 
practices, have tarot, will travel, have tarot, will party. Um, I do classes. I do, I'm on Instagram. They can find me most Fridays. I'm usually live at 3 p.m. EST. And feel free to throw me some questions, guys, if you have any. I'd love to, to help you out. Well, I thank you so much for answering my questions today, Jenna. And people, uh, Jenna not only is an amazing tarot reader, but she also is very, very good at helping professionals up their game. So if you are trying to build a tarot business, Jenna is one of the people I refer people to all the time. So make sure you check her out for that. All right, that wraps up this episode of Tarot Bites. You can check out lots more tarot goodness on my website, thetarolady.com. I've got free tarot and astrology lessons, tons of books, hundreds of blog posts, astrological forecasts, and so many other good things for you to scope out. Enjoy. I want to thank you again for listening. I hope you have an amazing day. And by the way, if you are digging the podcast, you know what to do. Get over to iTunes and leave a kind review because that helps more tarot curious people find their way to Tarot Bites. And as always, I like to close out by saying, pay close attention to your intuition throughout your day and let it guide you into making brave, excellent choices. Remember that you are always in the driver's seat of your life. You are in charge of your decisions, your plans, the action steps that you take or don't take. You're the boss. And if you don't like where your life is headed right now, you can change that. Nothing is ever fixed in stone. The tarot cards tell a story, but you write the ending.